begin our new sermon series today and going to go for two months. Um, I'm excited about it because it is about the life of Moses. I did a little study this past week about my title. I did uh, an etymology study. You know what that is? That's a study of the history of words. And interestingly, back in the mid-1800s, there was a trend in the United States of America to start using phrases that began with the word holy. Now, this was something that came out of the Catholic Church parishes because it was considered cursing or blasphemy to, to use the word or the name of God or Jesus or, or Mary in the Catholic understanding um, in any other way than in worship. And so they began to come up with some interesting variations of holy so that they could use that instead. Um, a couple that came out of the Catholic Church were um, holy mackerel because on Fridays, Catholics used to faithfully just eat fish on Fridays. And then there was holy smokes that started in the late 1800s because the election of a bishop in the Catholic Church at the Vatican is done by secret ballot, and then they burn those ballots, and smoke comes up from the chimney, and everyone knows that there's a new pope. Uh, but there were some variations that went beyond the Catholic Church as well. Holy Toledo. I know we have some people that grew up in Ohio here, Toledo, Lake Erie. Uh, that holy term came about because there's a large number, apparently, of churches there in that city of Toledo. Uh, holy holy moly, because of the rhyming factors just in recent years, and, and holy guacamole, which is actually a brand of guacamole, um, well, we're talking about holy Moses. We'll get to that in a few moments. Today, we're going to begin the series with this story from Exodus 14, and it is about the Exodus, which is the exit of God's people enslaved in Egypt out of slavery into the wilderness. And so Exodus 14, verses 5 through 29. When the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, Pharaoh and his officials changed their minds about them and said, What have we done? We've let the Israelites go and lost their labor? So Pharaoh had his chariots ready and took his army with him. 600 of the best chariots, along with all the chariots of Egypt, with officers over all of them. The Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, so that he pursued the Israelites who were marching out boldly. The Egyptians, all of Pharaoh's army, horses and chariots, horsemen and troops, pursued the Israelites and overtook them as they camped by the Red Sea near Phi Hilarhoth opposite of Baal Zephon. Moses, um, as Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up, and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified, and they cried out to the Lord. They said, Moses, was it because there are no graves in Egypt that you brought us out here in the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out here? Don't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone? Let us serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. 
Moses answered the people, Do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today will never, you will never see again. And the Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Then the Lord said to Moses, Why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. Raise your staff and stretch your hand out in front of them. And he stood behind them. A pillar of cloud also moved in front of them. And I progress, so I go back a few verses. Uh, God said, I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they will go in after them. And I will gain glory through Pharaoh and all of his army, through his chariots and his horsemen. The Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I gain glory through Pharaoh, his chariots and horsemen. Then the angel of God, who had been traveling in front of Israel's army, withdrew and went behind them. And the pillar of cloud also moved in front and stood behind them, coming between the armies of Egypt and Israel. Throughout the night, the cloud brought darkness to one side of light and to the other. So neither went near the other all night long. Then Moses stretched his hand out over the sea. And all that night, the Lord drove the sea back with a strong east wind that turned it into dry land. The waters were divided, and the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground. With a wall of water on their right and on their left, the Egyptians pursued them. And all of Pharaoh's horses and chariots and horsemen followed them into the sea. During that last watch of the night, the Lord looked down from the pillar of fire and cloud at the Egyptian army and threw it into confusion. He jammed the wheels of the chariot so that they had difficulty driving. And the Egyptians said, let's get away from the Israelites. The Lord is fighting for them against us, against Egypt. The Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea so that the waters may flow back over the Egyptians and their chariots and horsemen. And so Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and at daybreak, the sea went back into place. And the Egyptians were fleeing toward it, and the Lord swept them into the sea. The water flowed back and covered the chariots and horsemen, the entire army of Pharaoh that had followed the Israelites into the sea. Not one of them survived, but Israel, the Israelites went through on dry ground, and a wall of water on their right on their left. That's the word of God for the people of God today. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Lord, take this incredible story and help us today to celebrate that you are our deliverer that shows us a way when we cannot see one. For it's in Jesus' name. Amen. Holy Moses is the title of my sermon series. Other than Jesus, Moses would be the primary figure of all of the Bible. In fact, there are a lot of comparisons and parallels between Moses and what he does in his life and how God uses him in the Old Testament and the way that God uses Jesus, his son, in the New Testament. And we will no doubt explore those. We'll look at, at 
their miraculous births and how they escaped death as infants in order to go and to be mighty hands of God. That'll be next week. But today we look at this story, and what better place to look at the life of Moses than that of the story of the Exodus. What a mighty thing God did with Moses. It was the culmination of everything that God had been preparing him for since he called him. Remember in the wilderness with the burning bush? It was, despite all doubt and, and all confusion of his own people that were in slavery in Egypt, it was the seminal moment when they would no doubt believe that the God Moses had been talking about, who he said came to deliver them from slavery, was going to come through once and for all in a mighty way to deliver them. Holy Moses, the best place to start in looking at his life is with this Exodus story. Moses is holy and revered because by Christians he parallels Jesus and what he does in the New Testament, but for the other, other major religions of the world, even Judaism and Islam, they recognize, as we do, the first five books of the Bible as being produced by by Moses himself. The great teacher, the great man of God, great faithfulness. He was not altogether holy himself, but he was holy because he was faithful and humble to God. And God used him as he was willing for that to happen. And so today we start looking at, at holy Moses and what a holy moment this must have been. Do you know for the Israelites, for the Jews, for those people that had been enslaved for, for generations, that that's the greatest celebration for their faith still today is the Passover meal. It is a meal when they talk about that night, which is unlike any other nights, when they were preparing to escape Egypt and go out to what would be the sea. And yet they found themselves out there backed into a corner with Moses and no apparent plan of how he was going to make their escape happen. They were in a position that had totally to rely on God. And do you remember the nights on which Jesus was arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane? His disciples, he gathered them together on that night unlike any other night, and, and he, he shared with them food but also bread and wine. And he said, this is my body and my blood poured out and broken as a new covenant for you. Just as Moses had fulfilled the covenant of freedom. For God's people in the Old Testament, Jesus was preparing to lay down his life as the deliverer and the one that would save God's people. A defining moment this exodus was for the Jewish people and in Jesus' life, just as this meal is the defining moment for us for the forgiveness of sins. Both stories are uh, freedom songs of redemption and grace. And this week, we no doubt will be singing freedom songs for our nation, but for our faith, for deliverance from, from sin and death, from those things that we cannot control in our world, and from those things that seem and feel to have us backed into a corner. God reminds us that he is our sure deliverer. Right after this story, 
And I did not read it for you because it was lengthy. God and Miriam sang a song about the great thing that God had done. I hope that as we come forward today to receive communion, this holy meal, that we'll remember what great things God has done for us, but especially the gifts of forgiveness and victory over death and all of the struggles and sins and regrets and mistakes that we have made. It is a life-giving meal. And you're invited. Everyone's invited to come and partake. 